0: Hello and welcome to the Sheeple News Podcast, episode number three. And today is the 12th of May 2021. And today we'll be talking about the problems going on in Israel and Gaza. So it says here on a BBC News website, there's fears of war as violence escalates. So there's been a lot of fighting going on in uh, Israel. Um, nothing that hasn't happened before, but it's something that hasn't happened um, in in a while, really. And you'd say there hasn't been this amount of violence in about six or seven years. Saying from 2014 was really the last time that uh, there was such um, an escalation of violence here. So uh, it's interesting that this has happened now uh, during Biden's administration. It's something that never happened under Trump, since we know that he was uh, the peaceful president. Uh, we know that he signed many peace deals all around the world. There were so many that Ended up losing track of which ones he signed, so we know that this wouldn't have happened if Trump was still president now. But as we know, Biden's the president by default, and uh, this is um, this is the result of the uh, voting him in or installing him. Really, uh, we get all these problems uh, popping up all around the world and i think this won't be the last uh, uh hotspot area in the world so we we'll have to wait and see what happens so it says here that the deadly exchange of fire between palestinian militants in the gaza strip and the israeli military has escalated significantly with the un fearing a full-scale war So more than a 1,000 rockets have now been fired by Palestinian militants, so Hamas, uh, over 38 hours, Israel said, most at Tel Aviv. Uh, Israel has carried out hundreds of airstrikes, destroying two tower blocks in Gaza on Tuesday and Wednesday. At least 43 Palestinians and six Israelis have been killed since Monday. That includes 13 Palestinian children caught up in the conflict. UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres said he was gravely concerned by the ongoing violence. Uh, Says an Israeli citizen was killed when an anti-tank guided missile fired from the northern Gaza Strip struck a jeep on the border and three other people were injured. Uh, In Gaza, five members of one family were killed in an Israeli airstrike streets are full of rubble where buildings have collapsed and cars have been left crushed or burned. Uh, Israeli Arabs have staged violent protests in a number of Israeli towns. The fighting follows weeks of rising tension stoked by violent confrontations between Israeli police and Palestinian protesters, culminating in clashes at a site in Jerusalem that is holy to both Muslims and Jews Israeli military says the fighting with Gaza is the severest since 2014 so here we go you see it's been now seven years since uh, they had such uh, severe fighting It says that 1050 rockets and mortar shells have now been fired from the Palestinian territory 850 had landed in Israel or were intercepted by its Iron Dome air defense system. So the Iron Dome is basically um, the shield that they, it's, a, it's kind of like a magnetic shield they put over the the towns and cities, and they can intercept any missiles that are in that uh, vicinity there, so they just destroy them while they're in the air. I think they said that there's 90% success rate they have with the Iron Dome. Um, Hamas said it was incensed by the enemy's targeting of residential towers. Uh, residents have been warned to evacuate the buildings before the fighter jets attacked. However, health officials said that there were still civilian deaths. So we have here another article on um, the BBC News, where an Israeli mayor is warning of a civil war. He says a civil war has broken out in Lod. says... Uh that is how Mayor Yahir Ruvivo described the situation after violence exploded in the mixed Arab Jewish Israeli town, lying fifteen kilometers or nine miles southeast of Tel Aviv. The protests by Israeli Arabs in the town turned into full-scale riots on Tuesday night. Demonstrators clashed with people and set cars and buildings ablaze. The day after a funeral for a man allegedly shot dead by Jewish residents. This is complete loss of control, he said. Um, synagogues are being burnt, hundreds of cars set alight. The situation is incendiary. The violence has flared in other cities and towns with sizable Arab populations, including neighboring Ramlay, Akra, Jaffa, Zizra, Al-Zarqa, and Um el-Fam. Uh, police arrested 270 people. He said, The sight of pogrom in Lod and the disturbances across the country by an incited and bloodthirsty Arab mob injuring people, damaging property, and even attacking sacred Jewish spaces is unforgivable. He added, The silence of the Arab leadership about these disturbances is shameful. Given support to terrorism and rioting and encouraging the rupture, of." society in which we live, in which we will continue to live once all this has passed. A number of Israeli Arab politicians have called for an end to the rioting. Protests in Arab society are moving in a very dangerous direction, as popular protests have escalated into violence. That I call on everyone to behave responsibly and to adhere to the rule of law. Uh, The unrest follows days of high tensions in Jerusalem, with clashes between Israeli police and Palestinians at a key holy site, and escalating hostilities between Palestinian militants in the Gaza Strip and the Israeli military since Monday night that have left more than 50 people dead. In recent days, Israeli Arabs have staged protests in sympathy with Palestinians in Jerusalem and Gaza. During protests on Monday in Lod, a third of whose population is Arab, an Arab resident in his thirties, Musa Hasuna, was shot dead and another person seriously injured. Haaretz cited a Jewish resident as saying an Arab crowd tried to break into the neighbourhood and that that his neighbours were forced to shoot in the air because they felt in danger. Mr. Hasuna's father said his son, had not gone to protest and that he had been passing through the area when they shot him at point blank. Police arrested three suspects who said they had acted in self defense. Hundreds attended Mr. Hasuna's funeral on Tuesday. Clashes soon broke out with the police, with Israeli media reporting that two officers were injured and a police car was set on fire. As night fell, the violence escalated and synagogues and businesses were attacked. Reuters news agency said there are also reports of Jews stoning a car driven by an Arab. The social media footage allegedly showed protesters firing on police with an automatic weapon. Officers responded with live rounds. This is the first time we've seen local residents using weapons, opening fire, and the response from our units have also been using live fire in order to prevent anyone from being killed. Uh, separately, a 52-year-old father and a 16-year-old daughter were killed in uh, when a Palestinian rocket fired from Gaza hit their car in Lod. Khalil and Nadine Awad were both Israeli Arabs. The Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has now declared a state of emergency in Lod, granting police more powers there. It is reportedly the first time since 1966 the government has used emergency powers over an Arab community. It's anarchy from rioters and we cannot accept it, Mr Netanyahu told reporters on a visit to the town early on Wednesday, vowing to restore law and order with an iron fist. I don't feel safe exiting my home, Jewish resident Leor Banisti told Channel 12. We wanted to go to my sister. We have two small daughters and we decided to stay in tonight, even though we don't have a rocket-proof room. Better take the risk of rockets than the mayhem outside. So who are the Israeli Arabs? Well, in total, about 21% of Israel's population are Israeli Arabs, about 1.96 million people, according to a December report by Israel's Central Bureau of Statistics. During the war that surrounded the creation of the State of Israel in 1948, hundreds of thousands of Arabs were forced from or fled their homes. Those who stayed in what became Israel and their descendants have been granted citizenship and are known as Israeli Arabs. About 80% of Israeli Arabs are Muslim, with the rest identifying as either Christian or Druze. Most identify strongly with Palestinians in Gaza and the West Bank, with many calling themselves Palestinian citizens of Israel. Israel's government says its Arab citizens have equal social and political rights, although they are exempt from compulsory military service but Israeli Arabs themselves say they are treated as second-class citizens who face legal, institutional, and social discrimination. So Next up, we have news in America, where now the price of fuel has gone up to $3 a gallon, and this was due to the cyber attack here on a major pipeline system um, that transports fuel across the East Coast. Uh, so here on the article, it says the attack is unlikely to affect uh, gasoline supply and prices unless it leads to a prolonged shutdown of the pipeline. Well, this did happen, and uh, now the prices have gone up. Uh, Colonial Pipeline did not say what was demanded of who made the demand. Ransomware attacks are typically carried out by criminal hackers who seize data and demand A large payout in order to release it. The attack on the company, which says it delivers roughly 45% of fuel consumed on the East Coast, underscores again the vulnerabilities of critical infrastructure to damaging cyber attacks that threaten to impede operations. It presents a new challenge for an administration still dealing with its response to major hacks from months ago, including a major branch of government agencies and corporations from which the U.S. sanctioned Russia last month. The White House said President Joe Biden was briefed Saturday morning and the federal government was working with the company to assess the implications of the attack, restore operations and avoid disruptions to the supply. The government is planning for various scenarios and working with state and local authorities on measures to mitigate any potential supply issues. Well. They haven't done any of this, have they? As usual, <laughs> everything they say there at the White House under this creepy Joe Biden is all a load of rubbish. Really, they don't do anything. It's all talk, and you know it's a complete mess there. What's going on? Uh, there's no planning. There's like they just they don't seem to care about what's going on in their country. They're doing nothing. And just letting this happen. I mean, would this happen in the previous administration, getting uh, ha- this supply line hacked and other uh, branches of government have been hacked in the last few months? I, I don't think that would happen, actually. As- as the colonial pipeline is aiming to substantially restore services by the end of the week, which would likely limit most of the fallout but the next few days motorists could feel the effects. The effect is largely concentrated in the southeast with station outages occurring throughout the region. Uh, Governors of Florida, North Carolina and Virginia have declared states of emergency to make sure there are enough supplies of fuel. Today's emergency declaration will help North Carolina prepare for any potential motor vehicle fuel supply interruptions across the state and ensure motorists are able to have access to fuel, says North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper. Meanwhile, lines at gas stations in states including Virginia are growing longer as motorists try to fill up. Demand for gas Tuesday was up more than 14% compared to the same day a week ago. Uh, Bloomberg reports the Biden administration may consider waiving the Jones Act passed in 1920 to allow foreign tankers to transport gasoline and diesel fuel. So as you can see, it's just a complete mess there, what's going on uh, in parts of America due to this uh, cyber attack on the pipeline. So they're going to have to resort to uh, getting in a big supply of of oil and gas and everything from uh from abroad really when the us now is um energy independent so that's what happened under trump's administration they're energy independent and now they're gonna have to resort to um, getting in a big shipment of of gas and fuel from abroad so it uh, just shows you uh, what a mess going on in the U.S. here under Joe Biden's uh, presidency. Okay, next up we have an article here from The Independent. that says that next winter could be even worse if COVID variants elude vaccines, Boris Johnson warned. But Boris Johnson has issued an extraordinary warning of even greater suffering next winter than the public endured this year. If new COVID nineteen variants take root. Delaying his promised inquiry until next spring, the Prime Minister told MPs, there is in any case a high likelihood of a surge this winter. The warning which jars with mister Johnson's own statement on Monday, the country will return close to normal next month, came despite the success of UK's vaccination programme. He said our own scientific Advisors judge that although, although more positive data is coming in and the outlook is improving, there could still be another resurgence in hospitalizations and deaths. We also face the threat of new variants, and should they prove highly transmissible and elude the protection of our vaccines, they would have the potential for even greater suffering than we endured in January. On Monday, the Prime Minister promised full details of the end of social distancing within three weeks, pressing the accelerator on a review into lifting all of all COVID rules. But in a strikingly more somber statement, he said the end of the lockdown is not the end of the pandemic. Uh, The World Health Organization has said that the pandemic has now reached its global peak and will last throughout this year. Mr Johnson cheered campaigners and opposition parties by finally setting out the format of the COVID inquiry he has been promising for almost a year, uh, which would have full powers. I can confirm today that the government will establish an independent public inquiry on a statutory basis, with full powers under the Inquiries Act 2005 including the ability to compel the production of all relevant materials and take oral evidence in public under oath Um, he said this process will place the state's actions under the microscope and we should be mindful of the scale of that undertaking and the resources required to do it properly so i expect that the right moment for the inquiry to begin is at the end of this period in the spring of next year, spring 2022. The delay means the inquiry will not start until two years after the pandemic broke out, and perhaps crucially, it is unlikely to report back until after the next general election, which could be early as 2023. So, I mean, now they said that the vaccines would get us back to normal. They said the vaccines will help us protect the population and that the deaths would go down from COVID and now they're starting to say that oh there's variants from here, there's variants from there all these deadly variants, mutations. So They're just saying basically that now every year, every winter when it's always been traditionally the flu season, when they've had flu vaccines that they have to change, they have to make new ones every year because there's variants of flu. And that's been happening for hundreds, well, it's been happening for decades, really, and that's nothing new. But now they're going to use that for COVID, so what are they going to say? We've got to go lockdowns now every, every time that a new variant comes out. So it's ridiculous, really. You can't live like that. How are you supposed to live? We're going to go on lockdowns every year, every winter, and then we're going to open up again and then go back to lockdowns and open up again. And then they're going to um, come up with another vaccine every year for this COVID stuff. That's rubbish. You're going to see that's going to happen now. It's going to be in the winter. Oh, the cases are going up. That's it. Close down everything. Close down for a few months until we get this sorted out. And then we will open up again in the summer and then close back down again in the winter. Nah. OK, next up we have China's emissions now eclipse the developed world, preventing climate protection. Well. Wow. <laughs> Oh, who would have predicted this here? Oh, I I don't know. Maybe Greta Thunberg would have uh, predicted it when she went, and, uh, went to China. Remember when she went to China and said how bad their emissions are and how they pollute the world so much? Do you remember? Oh, yeah, she didn't go there. She never went there. All she did is she goes to Europe and the US and, and starts going on about how bad we are. But she never steps foot in China, does she? I wonder why. So it says, at the recent White House Climate Change Summit, President Biden made the extraordinary ambitious pledge of reducing U.S. emissions by over 50% over 2005 levels by 2030. This commitment once again placed the U.S. in the vanguard of climate protection and along with significant actions by Europe and other US allies, represents the true beginning of a long-term reductions in emissions globally. Except for one thing, Chinese emissions continue to grow. China risks undercutting all of the immense climate progress made by other major nations around the world. This reality was made painfully clear in a new report released by the Rhodium Group just last week. The groundbreaking study found that Chinese emissions alone in 2019 were enormous, larger than those of the entire developed world as a whole. This stunning fact, although long forecast by this writer and other experts, threatens to undercut global momentum to address climate change at just the very moment when political support is growing almost everywhere else, of course. (laughs) it's only china's allowed factories massive factories that pollute and only china's allowed to do what they want it's only china they're, they're the special ones it's, you know the rest of the world the developed world has to uh, destroy their economies while china continues doing whatever it wants to do so even though in north america and europe we have strict environmental uh, laws you know, protecting the environment, we have to have um clean uh factories and there's so many laws there. Yet we're still told that we're not doing enough. No, China's not doing enough. China needs to step up and protect the environment. There's even more worrisome. China's growing emissions will make reaching net zero global emissions by twenty fifty within the Paris Agreement more difficult and could trigger global tipping points in natural systems that would make cataclysmic climate change far more likely to occur. It is now clear that China used the disastrous Trump era hiatus in US climate leadership to ramp up coal production and the use at home and abroad. Last year alone the Chinese built three times the coal of the rest of the world combined and China is constructing, or planning, they say, the equivalent of another 300 large new coal plants. The US has not built a single new coal plant over the decade, nor have most other western nations, all of which in fact closing coal plants at a rapid pace. In addition to domestic coal builds, many of the Chinese plants would be constructed abroad, subsidising high-emitting technology for developing countries a perverse way to buy influence. China has made much of its pledge to be zero emitting 40 years from now, in 2060, but in 2020 Chinese emissions were more than quarter of the global total at 27%, two and a half times those of the US, the next largest at 11%. The new data shows China's current proposal under the Paris Climate Agreement allows its emissions to continue to grow for the next decade, effectively preventing global emissions from falling, even as climate scientists warn this is precisely what must occur to prevent possible climate catastrophe. At the White House Climate Summit, China claimed it would begin to strictly limit coal consumption over the next five years, and then reduce coal emissions in absolute terms by 2025. Yeah, as if anyone believes this. As hopeful as this language sounds, it masks the reality that in the next five years, China says it will construct 300 more large coal plants, locking in decades of new high emissions. See, China can do what they want, but the rest of us, uh, we can't uh, We can't eat meat, we can't have air conditioning on, we can't drive a car, we can't do any of this, but China, nah, it's fine, China, build... Coal plants we'll even build them in a way and make it even more polluting uh we'll build more factories uh we'll pollute the rivers and the oceans even more and um oh oh yeah, and more so we'll we'll kill off uh all these um exotic animals as well we'll we'll just we'll we'll eat them and we'll eat bats, we'll keep eating uh monkeys we'll keep eating everything uh pangolins. Pangolins will go extinct soon because they're they're killing them off, they're eating them and doing all sorts of weird stuff there, but um, no one does anything with China. that's fine. Yeah, China's a boss now of the world. okay, so our final article here is about the Air France crash uh, that happened here in 2009. There's a trial ordered for Airbus and the airline over 2009 disaster. Uh, Twelve years after an Air France uh, Airbus plane, which is a three thirty, uh, crashed into the Atlantic, killing two hundred and twenty-eight people, a court has ruled that the airline and manufacturer should go on trial for involuntary manslaughter. the Paris court overturned a ruling two years ago and backed recommendations from prosecutors. It says uh, flight uh, AF four four seven from Rio. Uh, in Brazil to Paris went down on the first of June two thousand and nine, killing everyone on board. Investigators found the pilots had lost control when airspeed sensors froze. Uh, both the airline and manufacturer plan to appeal. Well, that's not entirely true. Um, um, I do have a uh, aviation background, so I'm interested in uh, aviation and uh, this is not entirely true that the pilots um didn't lose control because of airspeed sensors the airspeed sensors froze and they um, overreacted and they panicked and what was a simple thing they had to do was just keep flying the plane level and they stalled it so this is just either This is a combination of bad training and uh, bad um, flying from the first officer who was flying at the time. It was the worst crash in Air France's history when Airbus A330 disappeared over the Atlantic in a storm. Uh, It wasn't in a storm, actually. Um, It just went through a bad pocket of weather. Uh, it took two years to find the wreckage, which was eventually located by remote-controlled submarines in 2011, after a search of 10,000 square kilometres of ocean floor. The combination of technical failure involving the plane's pitot sensors during the storm and the pilot's inability to react to the plane stalling led to the plunging into the sea at speed of 11,000 feet per minute, French investigators concluded in 2012. Uh, Again, this is not um, accurate at all here, and this article is very bad now. Um, The stalling happened due to the pilot. It didn't happen because of the so-called stall they are going through. So it was the pilot. He put the stick, pulled it back. The plane's nose went up, and it started stalling. And... uh, The first officer flying uh, didn't react properly to the stall warnings that you could clearly hear in the flight deck. Says uh, Families of those who died as well as pilots unions have campaigned for years for a trial. Magistrates had initially charged both the airline and manufacturer with manslaughter, but the Paris prosecutor then recommended that only Air France should go on trial. In September 2019, charges against both were dropped because there were not enough grounds to prosecute. Both the General Prosecutor and the Paris Prosecutor challenged a decision and the Paris Appeals Court on Wednesday decided both the airline and Airbus should stand trial. It's enormously satisfying to feel we've finally been heard by the courts, said Danielle Lamy, the head of the Victims' Family Support Group. We just regret it's had to take 12 long years to get here. 12 years of unstinting determination, filled with uncertainty, frustrating, and obscure procedures and discouragement. But we never gave in. there is little prospect of any trial soon if France said it had committed no crime and may take the case to the High Court of Appeal. Airbus has also said it will appeal, insisting the decision did not reflect in any way the conclusions of the investigation that led to the dismissal of the case in favour of Airbus. I think that they do have a case here, for families, Uh, more towards Air France, because uh, there's definitely a case there that Air France their training was not really adequate enough. Um, and some of their pilots, uh, they they didn't have a clue. Well, two of them that were flying, they didn't have a clue what was going on, even though, I mean, the plane was stalling. Uh, clearly, you, they could hear the warnings saying stall, 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 and they didn't understand what was going on. And, I mean, unfortunately, the... The veteran captain was um was resting at the time and this woke him up for all the the commotion and he was the only one there that knew what was going on and he he could see they were stalling but unfortunately at the time it was too late so you know they you couldn't do anything about it um but regarding airbus i mean yeah, the Pito tubes were faulty, but then um, you could argue that was a um, manufacturing problem, maybe, or it could be also a maintenance problem. So, um, anyway, we have to wait and see what happens with this. So, um, that will be it for today, and uh, look forward to another episode uh, very soon. So, uh, goodbye, take care.